Welcome to the Mastermind Owls Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs and digital content creators grow their online presence. I'm your host, Creative, and in this episode, we'll be diving into brand marketing strategies, boosting your online presence. Join us as we explore tactics, emerging trends, and critical insights to help your brand thrive in this upcoming year. If you haven't done so, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. I am so excited for today's show. I have a special guest with me here today. Caitlin Sliney is going to be joining us here live throughout the show. Caitlin, how are you doing today? Hey, thanks so much for having me. I've got a new mic today, so let me know if it's uh, coming through okay, but great to be here. Yeah, great to have you here. You are a thought leader, advisor, CEO, uh, women advocate in the tech space, and someone who, who understands marketing. And we had our last uh, last session that we did, our last episode, as we talked about how to grow your brand in 2024, and we covered three amazing uh, pillars, right? Uh, brand identity, uh, brand strategy, and then brand marketing. And brand marketing is such a huge uh, eye-opener for everybody because everybody wants to talk about, okay, how do I brand myself? How do I market myself? How do I put myself out there? And there's so many different ways to do it depending on your business. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about how to market your brand. What are some strategy ways that you can do to get the most eyes on, on your brand? Now, marketing, from my perspective, obviously, is about reach. How many people are seeing your content, but also the right people seeing your content. And in today's conversation, we're going to be talking about why marketing matters. And we're also going to be talking about some actionable things that you can be doing to actually enhance your marketing into the new year. This has been a, a, a really, really fun topic to hit. And especially if you're a CEO, you're an entrepreneur, uh, you're growing a business and you're growing a brand. It's really good to get this kind of perspective ahead of the time because you don't want to be building a brand for a year or two years and then realize, oh, man, I've done it wrong. So establishing your marketing in the very beginning with your presence for your strategy is going to make a huge impact as you move forward. You know, Warren Buffett had a, a quote that says it takes about 20 years to build a strong brand and it takes about five minutes to, to, to ruin it. But I want to ask you, Kaylin, before we dive into it, why does marketing matter? You know, live in a society where not only individuals, but also brands are so populous right? There are infinite numbers of options for so many things that we encounter and people to interact with. And it really tele, you know, telegraphs the message, why you? Why should I interact with your persona? Why should I you know, observe and uh, you know, adopt your art? Why should I buy your product? That's why it's important to, you know, marketing is important to really let people know how will you resonate with me and, and why should you be here and part of my community? I want to add on to that. It's really, it's also like, I think it matters because if like you, you want to get your, your product and your brands out there. Right. And, and if, if you really want to grow your business, there has to be a marketing effort that has to take place. And there's many ways that we'll talk about how to do it, but, but overall marketing, the way I look at it, my perspective is getting your product and your service in, in front of the right target audience, getting them to see it and doing it over and over and over and over again. That's what I think creates really strong marketing. And you've seen uh, ads, you've seen content come up, and it takes a while for the consumer to actually notice your 
your brand or what you're marketing you know there's uh you know the first one through five times you see it they're like okay what is it five you know to eight times they're like okay i, I see what's going on nine to like 12 times they might click on the link but if they see it you know 15 times they say okay why do i keep seeing this brand coming up what is it about them why do i keep seeing it up you know and creating that brand awareness and also creating that trust of this brand is not going to go anywhere and that's what people are looking for and consumers are looking for is trust and the more you the more you brand the more you market the more you can charge for your product and services so kaylin let me ask you what has been some marketing tactics that you have done uh, within your business over the last couple of years so we actually, you know, at Magnetic, we are looking at marketing strategy going forward out the gate of this year because we spent most of last year building and, you know, working on personal relationships, word of mouth, right? We haven't gone after a big marketing campaign, but one thing that we did put a lot of time into was, you know, emerging as a thought leader because we are in a new space. I think this is applicable to a couple of different niches and a lot of big swaths across markets right now is when you are doing something new, you have to educate people about what it is, why you're doing it, and why, as you just said, why they should trust you. I think mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes brand building that we've been doing so that when people come and diligence us, they see, oh, you guys have been putting in the work, you've laid the foundation, You've written on these topics about why, you know, for instance, we're in, we're in um, retention and engagement with brand communities. Great. That's our niche. And people want to see that you have put in the time to, you know, put knowledge out there. And, and like we've talked about a, a, a few times now, how you've become a thought leader. So that's something we've been doing. What I would call sort of behind the scenes marketing is building up your repository. That when people come to diligence you, they have something to go dig into and they can understand how you got to where you are, what you're about and why you've built what you built. I think a lot of that comes into play with legacy brands who sort of, they almost do a full circle loop where, you know, some old fashion houses and luxury brands are bringing their origin story back to the surface. It's become something that people want to understand your why, you know, just as you're asking them to trust you, they want to say, okay, great. Well, why should I? So laying a strong foundation is what I would call sort of an elemental marketing tactic is, you know, building that base and then we'll come out of the gate ready to shine. And, and when people's eyes are on us, they'll have something to go dig into. So that's something we spent actually a ton of time uh, working on in 2023 and 2024. I think we've got a lot coming up for, you know, more outward facing marketing. I love that you talked about thought leadership. That's like my one of my bread and butters uh, around like marketing is showing what you can do for others with your product or your services and talking about it 50 different ways and then doing it through different media outlets and different channels because your target audience, one might like videos, one might like reading, one might just like social media posts. I but by a, doing that. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to hop in and say that that's an amazing point. Yes, you have to say it 50 different ways and in different modalities because you're exactly spot on. You don't know how people will consume their knowledge, their content, et cetera. And you may be surprised at who it resonates with in simply a different format. So I love that. And you know what I figured out from the personal branding perspective of a marketing like yourself, right? 
um, for my young CEOs or my young entrepreneurs or my digital artists in the space, talking about a certain topic of uh, creating, you know, 3D animation, gamification, uh, how to build a community, uh, blockchain, um, you know, products and services like talking about those things, talking about the latest trends, what ends up happening, what I've noticed, not only do you become a thought leader, but the opportunities that come out of it. So when when there's spaces or there's like podcast sessions that are going on or someone's looking for that solution, who do you think that they're going to refer them to? They're going to refer them to the person that's been talking about it and marketing their solutions out there. And I think it, it, it you really got to be consistent with it. And and like we talked about, figure out different outlets to get those, like get that community communication out there, but that message that really runs with your, with your brand, your brand identity that we talked about. Now, now that we're heading into 2024, Kaylin, let me ask you a question. What are some things that you have seen so far that has really stood out from, from other product and uh, from other businesses that are doing really well in the marketing space? Um, honestly, I think actually some marketing arms of even physical goods, I, it's really fun to look at ads that get really, really creative. I think, you know, we're all visual consumers in some form or fashion where we're always looking at billboard ads, but those show up in very, very different ways, right? The air quotes billboard ad is now, you know, in print or a piece of digital art or an ad space filler, whatever it is. I think catching people's attention in an unexpected way has been the most fun sort of observation from a, you know, from a marketer's perspective. I think catching people's attention, maybe making them read some fine print or, you know, whatever it is, like read between the lines or catch a joke that may not be immediately obvious. I think that what resonates with people is something they appreciate on a slightly different level. Yes, you're transmitting your message, but how you're conveying it is just as important. If you're a brand that has sort of a cheeky personality, I'm sure everybody's seen Oatly oat milk ads. Even if even if you don't know you have, if you saw one of them, some of the bus benches or whatever, they get really, really creative with their advertising. And that's become the voice of their brand. You know, De Beers had put out an actually a really um, interesting ad, I think it was at the end of last year, where it was like how to make three months salary last forever. And they, you know, it was then the picture of a De Beers diamond, right? And however you feel about natural diamonds versus lab grown versus whatever, it's something that made you think for a second. And then you went, oh, that's clever. And I think that sticks with people. So figuring out your brand messaging, your voice, and then making a, you know, an ad or a, or a marketing endeavor that really reflects that is almost this extra layer of transmitting and sticking with people. So it, I think it helps make your marketing stick. I, I love the video content. For me, I'm I'm uh, my, my generation map, my my Gen Z millennial map. Where I'm at with it is that I love video content, but I love, but also my attention span is really short. So I, for me, it's that I have to create something that's very catching in the very beginning to draw me in to look at what the product is. And the other part is the, the outcomes. By using this brand or using the services, what do I get from it? What is the outcome that, that I, if by using this brand, what am I going to get at? Am I going to look cool? Am I going to feel good? Um, you know, do my, it, it, what is it going to do for me and improve 
my well-being with certain brands and, and certain aspects of it. So into 2024. So let's get into the first uh, segment, Kaylin, is what are the real big benefits of really strong marketing? You know, you stay top of mind for people and you find what I would say are your people. If you're trying to build a community, if you're looking for, you know, the on the ground, I would call it boots on the ground for word of mouth marketing. The best type of marketing you can possibly achieve is one-on-one word of mouth marketing. But how do you get there? And I think that means building a strong brand and getting creative with your marketing, being memorable, right? I mean, I just remembered I hadn't done research into specific ads that I liked, um, but I remembered the Oatly ones and the De Beers ones right off the top of my head because I thought they were clever. To me, a, you know, a clever still frame will always catch my eye. Video isn't really my favorite, right? So that's something that resonated with me. And then I think about it. And the more I see, the more instances, the more touch points I have, you know, if they continue to develop and evolve what I would think are clever, witty ads, for example, if it was a product that I was inclined to buy, I would definitely try that out. And I think the strongest marketing will yield, like I said, word of mouth marketing. That is your sort of pinnacle because we all look to cut through the noise. You know, we want to find the signal in the noise and often our friends and family, the people that we speak to on a day-to-day basis are the ones that we trust the fastest. So if you want me to trust your brand, come through another person I already trust. And, you know, that to me is like really your ultimate objective and how you get there is by finding out who you resonate with and how to reach them. So, you know, whether it's through video content, whether it's clever still frames or witty anecdotes or experiential marketing, some people love an experience or, you know, a pop-up or an event, things like that. Whatever is resonating with the community you hope to develop, you know, reaching them on a visceral level will then get them talking about you to their friends. You also can't drop that trust as you were talking about the Warren Buffett quote, right? Takes so long to build your brand. You now have to be careful with maintaining that consistency. And if this is the brand voice you developed, if you accidentally change it or intentionally change it, know that you're changing your audience and can you rebuild with them? So I think, you know, that's, that's more of a cautionary tale, but it all plays into the idea that getting folks, you know, in your corner and then they'll do the work for you. You know, you've amplified your, um, your resources the minute you get into somebody else's mind and they're talking about you for free. So that's, I would say that's your sort of ultimate objective. Yeah. Drive sales, trust, loyalty, brand awareness. And I want to say this, uh, what I'm about to say in a nice way, um, you know, I'm 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 uh, having an audio book. It's called Not Taught that I'm listening to. Uh, what it takes to be successful. And if your best friends and family are the only ones that know your business or know that you kick ass in something, you're doomed. We're living in a digital age where if people can't Google you or find you, they sure well won't do business with you. So. Not only is it establishing a brand, but a reputation about your brand. One of the things I always ask people is, before you buy anything on Amazon, before you go to a restaurant, what is like one of the things that you do 
before you do that. You go online, you search for them, you check out the reviews. What are people saying about you, right? Um, and then also, if you do get the good reviews and you do get five stars, how are you marketing that? As a restaurant, you know, if you're getting a five-star reviews and people are praising the food, the, the culture, the service, go ahead and highlight that. And that's like the free marketing because it's it's organic. It's coming from uh, a client that's actually using your product or, or going into your restaurant that are enjoying it. That's a really strong way to to market yourself. But you have to keep pushing, keep trying new things, be found, put yourself on different platforms. And we'll talk about the six effective ways to market your brand. But the reason why I say that is that if I can't find you on Google and I want to do business with you and I, and I want to work with you or if I want to find, uh, you know, collaborate with you, if you don't have a strong online presence or you don't market yourself correctly, I sure will, will not do business with you. Kaylin, what are your thoughts on, on that perspective? What is your take on that? I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head, but I have a really interesting anecdote. And that is um, there was a new nail salon that came into the commercial space in the building, you know, where I live. And this is the first floor is all commercial. And I was really excited about the fact that, you know, whatever they put up, it was a beauty salon. I was like, great, that cuts my commute time down to zero. Excellent. But it didn't seem like I was ever catching them on hours where they were open. And so, you know, if I leave early in the morning and then come back in the evening, fine, so be it. All I wanted to know was what services do you provide? And I could not for the life of me find a website for them. I obviously have the exact address, couldn't find it on Google Maps. And understanding that it's new, of course, that's, you know, it takes a little bit of time to get things like that up and running. But I think those should really be priorities because we do exactly as you said, we do our homework or we do a little bit of research, especially if you're comparing, you know, I usually go eat here. Okay, well, I have an option for where I go eat or where I would like to go eat in order to get me over the hurdle of trying something new you've got to reach me in a certain way. And then even if you do, I may want to do a little bit of diligence, which is check out the menu online or check out your prices. I wanted to look at the prices of the salon downstairs and you know, just see how does it compare to where I might otherwise go. Those little things are enough. You know, It's now been quite a few months that I've never tried this place. Just, I, I could walk in, but like I said, I'm not usually here when they're open and I could certainly make a point to be, but it doesn't really rise to the level of converting me so or even sort of attempting to so that's where that's where i think that diligence and that presence is really important the online presence is a really big one because we're all such digital natives at this juncture even if you were born you know i'm a i'm an elder millennial i think is how eliza schlesinger would classify it and i was not a digital native growing up but it has now become second nature. So you do really, even if you're a very in-person focused business, you still need a presence for people to find you. And one other thing I wanted to come back to was when you were talking about, you know, advertising of, about your reviews, one, one campaign that really stands out to me is a coffee shop that used on a, just a little sandwich board outside. And I think it went viral years ago, but it said, come taste the worst coffee one woman on Yelp has ever had, right? So they took one of the, you know, they took a bad review and they got creative with it because they obviously have enough faith in their brand that their coffee is great. Um, but you can use the feedback and the reviews as not only advertising, but some contrarian advertising. And then further, if you got a bad review, 
using that as a as a touch point and an opportunity to reach out to the person who had a bad experience. Because not only do we see, we all know that some people are just kind of disgruntled. And if I see a business who responds very enthusiastically or is really curious about that person's experience and says, hey, we want to make it right, even if that person never takes them up on it, I look at that and I say as another data point, wow, they're confident enough in their product or their service to offer someone to come back and let them remedy the situation. And beyond that, they really care. So, you know, wanted to circle back to that because I think it's a, I think all of those are really useful data points, but they're also opportunities for brands to craft their own narrative and showcase to the world how they engage with people who aren't happy with their service or do love their service. Do you thank people for their nice reviews? Stuff like that, you know, really just adds a little bit of dimension to your, what I would otherwise call a two-dimensional presence online. Do you guys look at reviews before you actually buy a product? Because I know damn sure if I'm going to be going out spending dinner with uh, with my wife or my friends, I want to check it out beforehand. I want to know what it's going to be like. I want to know what the best things are about that 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 business before I get there. I want to turn it over to our, our next segment, which is really exciting, is like the actionable things that you can do to market your brand. Now, this is this is going to be probably my favorite part of today's uh, today's podcast session is that I've got a list of like six things that um, that you could do to really enhance your your marketing perspective. And we'll talk we're going to talk about some some things that you can do today for you to start implementing, uh, start for you to think about and start just for you, maybe start planning ahead. And if you're doing this already, this is a big kudos to you. If you are, if you haven't started doing this, maybe start seeing if this is something that can start integrating into your business plan to help you with your marketing strategies moving forward throughout the new year. So I've got six of them. The first one I think is really important from 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 my perspective, and I want to ask you, Kaylin, is around social media marketing. I want to kind of get your take on what are some actionable things people can start doing on their social media platforms to market themselves. I think that's where just about everybody should start in no matter what industry you're in and especially folks who are here live, you know, participating digitally and are building brands themselves. You can already tell the power of social media because largely that's how you got here. That's how you found us. Um, And it's a really interesting territory, I think, because it is a very choose your own adventure. You again, you have to decide what are your brand attributes? What's your voice? And in that realm, start engaging with people and the channels that support that the best. Are you, you know, is Facebook your demographic? Is Twitter your more your demographic? Is Instagram, are you a product that, you know, where visuals are very, really well supported? Maybe Instagram is, you know, a better platform for you. If you love producing video content or it's part of your business, maybe TikTok is for you. So I think identifying the channels where you really want to focus your efforts. Uh, and maybe that's just one or two. I do think there's something to having a broad presence. You should have a presence in as many places as you can, but it's not usually tenable for somebody who's separately running a business as well to be excelling on every platform. So I think picking what resonates not only with your brand voice and your services or your product, but also, again, the people you're trying to reach, where do they live? Are they you know, I look at it as largely divided by 
age and demographics. There are obvious, you know, major, major flaws in those broad strokes assumptions, but reach, you know, 18 year olds on Facebook is probably not your best tactic or trying to reach someone who, you know, if you're doing marriage counseling for folks who are in their, you know, late 40s, early 50s in suburbia, maybe TikTok isn't your best angle. Maybe it is. Um, There, again, folks are successful in all kinds of channels, but I think identifying your strongest channel, where you're comfortable putting your efforts. If you hate making video content, it doesn't matter how many folks on TikTok are in your target demographic. If you aren't putting out your best work in that way, you either have to get better at it or choose another platform. So I think identifying, again, what works for both you, your skills, your products, and where does your audience sit? And there's a right way to do social media, and then there's also a wrong way to do social media. I realize that the same content that you post on Twitter is going to resonate different than what it does on LinkedIn. So if we do like a GM post on Twitter, you might not, you probably get you know, more outcomes on there than you probably would on LinkedIn. But if you were to do a snazzy infographic, you could probably hit both of the target audience the same way or have one or the other. What I recently did this is this is a really interesting uh, case study is that I use my social media platforms for my Twitter and my LinkedIn and I created a poll. And I said a poll, I said, what, what do you guys think is the most successful way to market? Is it content marketing? Right? Is it using social media? Right? And I got different answers for both of them, right? So that lets me know that both of these segments are are different target audience and they want information differently. So I think identifying that as soon as possible and catering to your target audience is gonna work well. And around social media, social media is hard to manage um, because there's a lot of different platforms you have to learn to, 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 to talk different ways. There are tools out there that could help you streamline that process. And if you're a business and you're growing, you want to figure out figure out a way to automate some of that social media marketing out there. So using tools like Hootsuite, Merrickool, anything that you can use to kind of help you plan ahead, put those posts out there, especially if you're going to be talking about a, a subject for so long or certain ways, planning it, thinking about it and scheduling it out will help you grow your marketing presence. You can do it at the right time, depending on uh, the right data points that you see and start making data data driven decisions based off those analytics that you get back on your social media platform. So you know when is the right time to post. Is my target audience in the UK? Is my target audience in California, right? Identifying those points on your social media platforms and using automation will help you still be able to reach your target audience at the right time and use making sure that you're using the right content. So that's around, I think, social media marketing. I think it's really strong. We talked about a little different ways of how to approach it. And I think if you're only using one right now, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna advise for you to use four. Start with two, start with three, and start seeing the engagement that you get with it, and see if it's the return on investment. I started using Threads, and I thought, man, Threads was gonna take off, and Threads was not it. I didn't get the right engagement. I didn't get the right return on investment. So maybe utilizing that platform wasn't for me. But if I spent more time using like YouTube, sharing my videos, more people would also like that. So don't be scared to try different social media platforms. 
try to grow as much as you can that's reasonable for you to keep yourself uh, um, accountable for to keep that consistency moving forward. Kayla, I want to kind of ask you the next part about the actionable part. The, the next part is is um, collaboration, partnering up with uh, personnel, uh, brands, products to enhance, you know, your marketing campaign. What are your, what's your take on this? I love collaborations so much. I think it has to be done well. You know, I think people can spot a paid collaboration a mile away. And that's not to say it has to be free, but there's got to be some synergy there, some, you know, overlapping your audiences and your target demographic, because again, you know, you can have the biggest influencer in the world. You can have a, you can pay all kinds of money and have a Kardashian spout, you know, your product or service, but they have become their own brands. A lot of influencers have actually crossed into becoming their own brands right now. And so, you know, we are also very savvy and can appreciate and understand that they're probably getting paid for this, you know, post or air quotes collaboration. If it doesn't seem like there's anything that's really, you know, substantive about it, then we can all pretty much sniff it out and say that's, you know, that's just paid placement. So I think collaborations in their most organic sense are incredible so long as you don't end up looking like simply paid placement. But Collaborations themselves are so powerful because you can reach folks who are almost audience adjacent or community adjacent. It's the people who are half a step removed from your core audience already. And you can reach them in a new and organic way by collabing with, you know, an audience that they are part of or a community that they are organically part of. And I think it benefits both collaborators in its most optimal scenario where, you know, you're each you and a collaborator or you are you and a brand partner are each getting just as much out of this um, as the other. And I think genuinely communities really, really love and respect that. Um, and, you know, even some really wacky ones, some crazy crossover flavors. And, you know, I think there was like a Doritos, somebody help me out if you've seen this, it's like a Doritos flavored vodka or something really ridiculous. And it's like for the, kitschiness of it it was funny and it got a lot of attention but you have to already be at a certain level to be able to play with collaborations like that i think thinking about it tactically you should be thinking about who am i trying to reach who's really close to my core community but just isn't in it yet and where are those people operating and existing how can i reach them by you know doubling down on the efforts of of collab to reach them so i love collaborations this is a collaboration. You and I coming up here doing a podcast show is a collaboration. Exactly right. And I, for, for, for my perspective, for my personal growth, uh, being in the Web3 space, collaboration is really what really took off. When I first got into this space, I was a very young creative and I was kind of like my lone wolf. And I was like, I don't need a partner with anybody. I don't trust anybody. Uh, I can do it myself. Uh, I don't need to be on the stage. And it wasn't working for me. People didn't know who I was. I wasn't associated with somebody. I wasn't associated with other brands. Uh, it, it wasn't until I met, you know, a group of other entrepreneurs that had the same vision and mission as I. And I think that's also very important to talk about is make sure if you're collaborating with someone, make sure you really understand their mission and vision 
because you don't want to collaborate and then their brand has a really awful flavor that could inject into your brand that can really kind of mix the two up. So be careful when you're collaborating, make sure that you do your diligence, check out those reviews, see what people are saying. Um, but collaboration is really how we grow in this space and really expand our reach within different networks. So if you are an artist, you know, you can do like giveaways, you can do collaboration art piece with someone and, and figure out how you can tie those two together and then represent each other and, and promote each other on your social media channels. That's really like the growth, I wanna say growth hack, but the, the way that I've seen a lot of small creators intertwine with big creators and kind of kind of create that like powerful collaboration to also lift up both of their voices. And what ends up happening is that new people get to find out who they are. New people get to see how their artwork looks like. And if they like it, it could it could really lead to sales and it really can increase the growing their brand. The next part I want to talk about is content marketing. Uh, this is like my my jam jam, uh, which I really, really enjoy uh, the content creation side of things. Um, Kayla, I want to get, kind of get your take on on the content marketing perspective. Yeah, I think depending on what your service or business or product is, there is a lot to content marketing that can be said for, you know, it being done well versus it not being done well. It all kind of comes back to, are you being authentic? Are you showcasing something people want to see, whether it is something new they can learn and you're giving them, you know, bits of tidbits of free information to, you know, showcase your knowledge and again, become a thought leader that pops into their mind the next time they want or need something from you? Um, or are you, you know, are you teaching them how to do something? Are you making them laugh? Anything that really resonates with your audience, again, staying true to your brand and what it is that you are putting out into the world is super critical. But we consume content all day long. I mean, just look at the stats on your, you know, your phone in an average week. We are constantly consuming. And so to be flip the script and become a content creator and put out marketing content, right? Doing content marketing is something that's really interesting. And I think it's harder than people think because you're so accustomed to consuming and you register what you think is good, bad, or indifferent. But it, when it comes to putting your own content marketing together and having it reflect your brand, whether it's a blog, I was talking earlier about doing so many blog posts for Magnetic, whether it was blog or LinkedIn posts. It's so interesting because if I read that with a, you know, a fully removed observer's eyes, I would have lots of opinions about what I thought was missing or should be added or should have gone in place of this, or that wasn't the topic that I wanted to hear about in that particular moment. I wanted to read about something else that you guys do. You know, you've got to be careful to remove a lot of the noise about how you should create it and just make sure that it's authentically transmitting your message. And again, it'll find the right audience. But I think content marketing is genuinely, it's so much harder to create it than it is to consume it. And we consume a lot of it. So getting over that hurdle, I think is actually something that a lot of brands struggle with. They're like, okay, cool. I want to put content out there. I want to use my content as my, a marketing tool to reach and educate and inform and amuse, whatever it is, but holy cow, where do I start? Yeah. And that's kind of goes back to what we talked about our last episode is what type of content should I be creating? 
And it kind of goes back to that three pillar, understanding your brand identity, your brand strategy. Who, who am I? Why should people care? And I think if you really hone on those like perspectives, it's going to get easier for you to create those type of content, you know, blog articles, videos, infographics, anything that you can do to attract and retain your target audience is going to be very crucial for you, uh, very powerful for you to uh, stay up to date. And people love, love content. I mean, I, we consume it like you talked about so much, but how do you make your content stand out? right one is being consistent two is having the same look and feel throughout your videos right oh i can recognize this font or i can recognize this intro i can recognize this branding some type of like consistency throughout your content marketing is super powerful but also it's actually an asset for you so many times i've actually met with the business and we've talked about a certain topic and i can say hey i actually wrote a blog article about that ai product or actually, hey, I actually wrote an article about um, web web security, right? And it adds that validation of why they should be doing business with you. And in, in a consumer world where there's so many people out there, there's so many different brands, validating yourself and building that trust through your content marketing is so powerful. It can just take, it can really take your, your brand uh, to the next level and having that strong, consistent marketing can help out. So if you're creating videos, if you're doing tutorials, uh, blog articles, any thought leadership stuff or, or highlighting how people feel with, within the product and marketing that, it's definitely a winning, a winning formula heading into the new year. Number four, and I think this is really, this is, this is really my topic, uh, uh, events, you know, uh, hosting events, sponsoring events, being a part of workshops, collaborating i know we have nft nyc um what are your thoughts on this kaylin around uh, uh the events for marketing i think there's nothing like it i think that they are often the most impactful piece of marketing because it really leaves an impression it's multi-sensory right you might meet someone interesting and tie it back to your memory of that event and who threw it you may hear or see or learn something new, whatever that is, you now tie an association long after the event is over that I think is just so incredibly powerful. The trouble with it is it's often difficult to scale, right? <laughs> Unless you're throwing massive, massive conferences, which are so expensive and time intensive. As a brand or a creator, those can be hard to scale, pay for, etc. cetera. Um, but they are just so incredibly impactful. I'm also a huge proponent of being in person as often as you can. I'm online all day long and many of us are, but I just had a meeting this morning with a woman who came in from Philly to New York and it was the greatest thing. You know, we talked about catching up and meeting and she said, you know, I've really been putting on my to-do list having more in-person meetings. Do you mind if we do this in person? And I said, absolutely. But that, I mean, that's a real commitment coming in from Philly um, just for a meeting, but that is such an impressive manifesto or like something to make part of your personal brand, you know, go visit with people, you know, set up a string of meetings if you can. And that too is experiential marketing. You are leaving your own personal impression with another individual that they will take long after the meeting, right? When you shut down a screen, a zoom screen, you don't have anywhere near the dimension that you had in person and, and many of us developing personal brands, that is actually just as important as throwing a huge event. We all love, we love a good event around here, um, but I want to sort of give, give credit where credit is due to even just being 
physically in the same place and with a person for a meeting can also be experiential marketing when you are the brand. And those introductions, right? When you're at those conferences or that workshops, you, you could meet, you know, the Sabet. You can meet Creative Owls, you know, you you know, you can meet the CEO of a company, right? Just based off networking, being at the right place at the right time. And we talked about brand positioning, right? Uh, in our last episode, positioning yourself, being at the right events, but also maybe being a speaker at one of these events. Kaylin, you're, you're about to be a speaker at NFT NYC, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. So tell me about some of the benefits that you'll get out of out of being a speaker there. You know, there's there's visibility. You again, you can establish thought leadership. I will be speaking on taking some creativity into the tech world. You know, collaborating between industries, brands, partnerships. When people think of that speech or that you know panel that I was on they can now associate that with magnetic. And if they liked what I had to say, they can go do some further diligence or just come up, uh, come up to me afterward. You know, I find that even I host crypto Mondays. Sometimes we always have, you know, we try to have speakers and panelists and whatever. And I will say whether do or undo people automatically assume that you have some level of established reputation. That's, that may be bigger than it is. You know, I've been doing this for a year and a half um, in and around the New York community and people come up to the moderator, even if you weren't the featured speaker, they come up to the moderator and think like, oh, well, you must be somebody and they introduce themselves. And so it's a great opportunity for me. I mean, that's what I get out of speaking at conferences, somewhere like NFT NYC. I get a little bit of extra access to people because we're all in one space and they kind of mill about after an event like that. Um, and if they have questions or disagreed with something I said, I've had some really incredible conversations that have stemmed from, oh, you know, you said this thing, I really agree because, or I totally disagree because, and it generates conversation. So it's further opportunity to refine your point of view and put, you know, putting your point of view out there can be really, really scary, but getting the feedback after is invaluable. You know, it really gives you the opportunity to connect with people and see what's resonating, what they hate, <laughs> what they love, um, and what didn't land at all, what might they might have been totally indifferent to. So I see it as almost like experiential marketing for me in a way where I'm testing the waters with, here's how I think about a topic. What does the rest of the world think? And you get that feedback very quickly in real time when you're at, you know, big events like NFT, you know, NYC. And we talked about thought leadership, right? One, one of the key things about marketing uh, yourself or your product is putting yourself out there at the right place. And that content marketing is super crucial uh, for your brand and, and becoming a thought leader, being on stage and participating in these events. I do it by collaborating like 50 artists, you know, and bringing them all in one space to them talk about their artwork and giving them a, a voice. And that has helped me establish myself as a thought leader, as a creator. And then every now, every now and then I'll, I'll share what, what my vision is. Uh, but it's been an extremely powerful tool for myself and I think some other creators in this space when you're hosting events, an educational event, uh, uh, a get together, a happy hour, and you're able to put people inside a room that's great, but also here's a tip. After you meet someone, follow up. 
follow up, get their business card and send them a message and say, hey, it was nice meeting you because you never know where that relationship could take you or that referral could take you. Right. Um, I have a good friend of mine who's, who's her name is uh, Lila Pinto, who's introduced me to so many people in this space. And she does it on a consistent basis where she's like, hey, I need to introduce you to this person um, that I met at this event and so forth. So keeping those strong relationships, because you never know when you you're, you might want to ask that person for a collaboration, right? Or ask that person for their intake and so forth. Kaylin, what's your take on this? I was going to say, I actually think that's how we met. I was hosting Crypto Mondays and Lila was there. She and I met. I'm pretty sure that's where it was. And then she introduced you and me. So that's a direct reflection of exactly those those in-person experiences where you leave an impression on somebody where they're at least interested enough in following up, maintaining some sort of relationship. It doesn't have to be something that is immediately identifiable. You just think, all right, I like you. I liked your, you know, I liked what you spoke about. So I have some sense of your perspective and let's just stay in touch. It does not have to be a transaction. It does not have to be something immediately you know, within ROI. So I think those types of events, the experiential marketing elements of it, those are all so critical because I I also think as we get further into the digital world, we do seek, many of us seek to reconnect on a human level. So being in person is irreplaceable for things like that. We're going to go to our fifth subject, which is uh, also one of my favorites, is search engine optimization, optimizing your content, your website to rank higher in search engine results and making it easier for people to find your brand online. And, uh, you know, when I, one of the things I did with content creation um, was what I created my first YouTube video. And I was scared to figure out how I was going to create this. Right. Um, but I also, but I knew that I knew a good title that people were searching for is like how to set up an environment in spatial, like a metaverse and environment. And I was really scared to like post it. Cause it was my first time doing a video educational video around that topic. And I just posted it. Right. And not expecting a lot of return on investment that till this day is still my number one video based off search engine optimization, how people find me online. And I just reached 1000 followers on YouTube. And there's so many times that people message me or find me in, 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 a, in, in an event or something like that. And they say to me, hey, I found you through YouTube. I love your work. I love what you put out there, right? I checked out your website, right? Um, so utilizing search engines to create your content and market yourself is super powerful. And, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, website development, having a strong website. You know, I think that's kind of like, for me, for me personally, when I look at a website, if it looks really professional, I'm expecting the brand to be very professional, right? And, and the better you market and the better you brand, the more you can charge for your product and services. So that's kind of my thoughts when, when it comes to branding and marketing. But the search engine optimization does such a powerful way of people finding you, recognizing you, and wanting to do business with you, provide that thought leadership. So it's, it's a really good mix of when you're creating a blog article. Make sure you're using the right header. Make sure you're using meta description. Make sure you're you're using alt tags. You're using all the things that are really going to help the search engines rank your pages higher for them to be visible. Uh, even in even in thumbnails, 
like creating searchable uh, thumbnails that have like really good, strong eye catching is really going to help your search engine for people finding you and clicking on your content to discover you. Kaylin, what's your take on a search engine optimization? I think this is one, I think it's a no brainer as a concept. If you are trying to be found, it is an absolute, absolute no brainer, but I do think it's underutilized for sure. I think people are putting out really amazing content. They might write, the most beautiful, well-informed article that would, you know, be so helpful to millions of people, but if they cannot find it, it doesn't matter. So I think SEO is something that is absolutely critical. And I'm curious, I want to flip it back to you with a question is, you know, what do you think is the most basic entry level way? I think for folks on the, you know, listening, I think it would be really interesting to remove a little bit of the mystery around it. That's something that I believe exists. I think there's a little bit of mystery about SEO and folks are keen to do it, but they don't know where to start. Are there easy tools that you've found really package it well rather than getting, you know, super technical about it and doing, you know, a level 10 job instead of doing nothing, where can people dip a toe in? I'll give you two, two kind of two answers into one, right? Without getting too technical. Right. If you're a business or you're a content creator, uh, you're trying to establish in yourself, spend a lot of time on your website, right? Spend as much time as you can on your website to making it look well-branded, have all the information that you have that, that could help people understand what your product and service, add all the visuals there. I want you guys to start thinking of your website as your new employee. Stay with me. When you are asleep, when you're at the gym, when you're at the dinner, your employee is going to be up and it's going to be working the whole time. Your employee is going to be there helping answering questions, right? So I would spend a lot of time on your website and building your, your website out. Now, the second part is that when you're creating content on social media, LinkedIn, banners, Make sure your call to actions are always going to your website, not the Discord, uh, not to uh, a link tree or anything like that. You are you are literally stopping the algorithm or the the search engines to validate you because the way search engines work is that they look as how many people are going to that site, how long are they staying on that site. And how long and where are they navigating it through the site, right? So having a good navigation is going to help search engine optimization. So I want you to start thinking about that is build a strong website, make the navigation super easy for them to have, have the right text, the right information for them to say, okay, I get it. But every time you post or create content, make sure that you're funneling back everything back over to your your website, because that's going to help you rank higher on search engines. It could be Yahoo, Google, and it's going to help you start indexing your pages, right? So start thinking about that as you are trying to build out your SEO. I would really strong, I would really strong building out the website. And then the second part is, is, you know, utilize, uh, let's say if you have WordPress or Drupal or whatever you have, Wix, is start building content on there. If you just have a five page site that's static, it's going to be static. But if you create it dynamically by keep adding content, the little crawler spiders that are searching the, the, the web every couple of 15 days, they're going to recognize that and they're going to index that. And if you're talking about trends, uh, latest uh, trends, you'll populate up there pretty quickly if you're consistently posting and if you're getting all that traffic to your site. 
So hopefully that answers that question for there. Um, I want to get to my my sixth one, um, which is email marketing, which is a little bit old school, I feel like at times uh, around marketing, but it's super powerful because everybody here checks their email every single day. Caitlin, do you check your email every day? Oh, I got really interesting thoughts on this one. But yes, I do check my email every day. Although my co-founder, Tyler, just joked this morning. Um, he was like, just flagging this. I sent it to your least checked medium email because we have so many instant messaging apps, whether it's Telegram, Signal, you know, WhatsApp, iMessage, Slack, all of the above. The email to me is definitely for serious things only. I treat my email as these are action items. These are formal communications and everything else. I personally pretty much ditch. So I'm the worst candidate to receive email marketing because I actually, you know, batch delete most of it um, and unsubscribe from almost anything. But that is not to say it doesn't work. Otherwise, people wouldn't be doing it. There are I would say most people are not as aggressive as I am about keeping their inbox to an absolute bare minimum. Yeah, and there's the people that just let everything slide and let it come into place. So I think email marketing, like when I thought about it a couple of years ago, I was like, man, this this is really isn't an effective tactic. But it really is over time because you keep seeing that email pop up. You're too lazy to hit unsubscribe. And it's also another way for you to reshare your content. So I have a Substack uh newsletter and i've gained my audience 700 700 people that i have on there and whatever i post on my website i usually copy it and paste it and put it in that Substack, add a little bit more flavor and i send it out most people are not going to go straight to my website and just be like oh let me go check out a news article but if i promote it to them and it goes right into their email they're more likely to check it out and i have about a 34 35 opening rate on my newsletters which is good. So I know people are actually kind of looking at it, but over time you keep seeing it. And it we talked about, Hey, I see it one time. I don't pay attention. I see it 10 times. Okay. I'm like, what's going on? I see it 15 times. Okay. What am I missing out on? Why do I keep seeing this? So I think it's also part of like the campaign, uh, like the war, right. Or the strategy, right. Is, is being consistent and being consistent through different channels because our target audience is very different. And some people might like emails. Some people might like videos. Some people like tweets. Some people like infographics. But if you can really understand how to put them all together and, and kind of shoot them all out at the same time on a consistent basis and direct all that traffic back to your website at once, that's that like really magical search engine optimization and everybody's looking at your content at the same time. Everybody's like, okay, I saw it on LinkedIn. And I'm also on Twitter and I actually saw it on there, right? Um, that's one thing I do really well from my perspective on branding is that I'll post my Twitter, I'll post on my LinkedIn, my Facebook, my stories. I'll sprinkle it everywhere I can to get the most eyes on it as much as possible. And email marketing is still something that I do use uh, to keep people up to date. I probably don't use it as strong as other brands where you have deals and discounts and so forth. But I still I think it's a very interesting tactic on that. Kaylin? I yeah, I will say, you know, I should have clarified that I love newsletters and I read them all the time. So I love the, you know, if you've written something and you send it through email, that's awesome because you're right. I'm probably not going to go check the website or a blog or a Substack 
when it comes to my email, now I read it, but that is a very small and curated group of, you know, things that I'm interested in and have proven consistently useful. It's the things that you just mentioned at the end there that I batch delete, which is to say that, you know, promotions and I shopped in a store once and now they've got my email and they send me something every single day with a promotion. Absolutely not. So that's where I think email marketing really loses efficacy. Um, it's still, like I said, it still obviously works because people are doing it and they're converting it. But I am a lot more interested personally in something that I've opted into because I feel it delivers value. That's where I think newsletters and updates on things I care about fall into that category. And each single strategy that we talked about has its own strengths and best approaches when often involves mixing tailored your brand and around your audience. So I know we covered some really insightful, actionable items for you guys here today. We talked about social media, marketing, influence and collaborations, content marketing, events, SEO, and email marketing. Now, these are still kind of traditional in some sense, but there's always a new flavor of creating content of these type of things. There's always a new way to uh, go away of, of how you create it. And if you figure out your niche, it's all good. But this is probably the most important part that I want to talk about marketing is looking at your data. This is really the juice right here in building a strategy is looking at the data points and being able to make data driven decisions is going to help you one, know where you're branding at, what time to scale, know who the target audience is, what do they like? So utilize polls, utilize your, your Twitter or your, your Google Analytics, your Facebook dashboard, your business dashboard, whatever you can to get some matrix about your business, right? I think really studying the data is really gonna help you create content it's going to help you pick the right person you want to influence. It's going to help you pick the right events, right? So if I went to this event, how many people actually uh, signed up for my article, my newsletter here, or actually people attended uh, the, the event that I spoke at compared to this other event, right? You want to start thinking about that because you want to get the best return on investment for your time and your effort when you're marketing. I want to thank you guys for joining me here today. Kaylin, I want to give you a safe round. Anything else that you want to add to today's topic here? Honestly, I usually have a lot to say. I think you really nailed it. I will uh, just echo the fact that there are core tenets, but be creative. Whatever you think will work, whatever seems authentic and resonates with you, try it, right? Try it, see how it goes. And as you just said, look at the data afterward. And maybe you've come up with your own brand new strategy uh, that other people can learn from. So go experiment.